You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Happy Saturday, happiest of Saturdays. I'm still in Friday, but I am home from work, so it's basically the weekend anyways. So let's enjoy it, shall we? You lucky sons of guns are uh, pretty close to watching football, though, and I, well, I guess I am close to watching football. Uh, It's 5 o'clock, one more hour, I get to watch the Lions or something stupid. I mean, awesome, <laughs> right? Football. Actually, the Vikings, too. There's a lot of games today. So 6 o'clock, 6.30, 6.30, and 7, we got the Vikings. That'll be interesting. But uh, noon game for the Green Bay Packers. Always exciting. Always nice. Get it, get it nice and early. That'll give me some more opportunities to kind of come on here and do some video content. But I kind of want to just kick it back a little bit today because it's game day. I just want to have a little bit of fun. Nothing super crazy. Not expecting this to be long, but again, every time I say that, it ends up being the longest episode in the history of the world. Um, I will reiterate a couple things. Number one, please uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as the uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I'm, I'm planning on going live tonight, which means last night. So if you're just hearing about this now, you should have listened to me say this 700 times. Would have made, you know, so that you didn't miss it. And I'm also planning on going live sometime after the game. We'll see if I can run downstairs afterwards or if that's going to be nixed by, you know, family time or whatever. But at some point, I'm coming down here and we're going online and we're going to talk about some stuff. What did you think about the game, etc., etc., etc.? I want to try a couple new things, maybe get away from my uh, streaming software, try something else. I like what I have. But uh, the simplicity that uh, Matt Ramage has with a couple things, I'm losing some features, but I'm gaining. I just want to play around. It's still preseason. Let's see what options we have, and let's let's get this honed in a little bit. Speaking of, um, once again, I was supposed to be on with him last night, so that would be Thursday night for y'alls. Well, for everybody, but uh, two did not. Shh, don't worry about it. but it was a little bit too late. But anyway, I still I jumped on the link anyways, and they had actually already shut off the stream. And so um, the three of us just kind of hung out and talked for a little bit, and that was kind of cool. Good people, man. It's good. I, it's it's just cool because I've been doing this for years and years and years. That's a slight exaggeration, but I mean, if if each one of those years was like a year, it's pretty accurate. When did I start this? Let's let's get a, a count on it. So it would have been, let's um. 2017. Let's hone in a little bit further, because I know it was shortly before, I think, Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. That's crazy, dude. That's such a long time. So it looks like he broke his collarbone. It would have been um, 10-15, so October 15th. So let's say I started like October 1st. Let's just say. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, so four years, 2017, that's a long time. But anyways, I've been doing this a while, and you you know of all these people, but I've never, like, they're, they're like out there somewhere in this mystical universe of, of uh, whatever, and it's kind of cool that at least this year, I'm, I'm starting to meet these people, you know, Brady over on Facebook, Ramage, I've been talking to quite a bit, Brady actually had come to my house, hopefully he'd be able to stop by again sometime 
and we'll do some uh, cooking out. It's been fun. It's been a cool thing. But um, getting more interactive is part of the reason I'm doing the streams and whatnot. I do like that. I really like it. It's super simple for me, but it's also fun. I mean, you guys, a lot of you guys will reach out anyways and ask me questions. But this will be a way to just be like, all right, let's dedicate a time where we all just hang out and talk about stuff. You know what I want to do? Probably should do this on my own time, but I'm going to do it right here, right now. It's kind of cool. I'm getting nostalgic. I'm hijacking your time. So I found the email that I sent to the, the fine gentleman over at Packernet. This is August 21st, 2017, essentially stating that um, I started a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I would like to make it the Packernet podcast. So it looks like we passed the uh, four-year mark. It would have been early August that I started this podcast officially. But it became the Packernet podcast probably around right around this exact time. Kind of cool. Pretty, pretty cool. I'm kind of interested. If you've been listening for a long time, when abouts did you start listening? Just curious. Anyways, we do have a winner for the uh, Zadarius Smith jersey giveaway, but I'm not going to give you the answer to that right now. I probably should because I'll end up forgetting, but I want to do it just prior to the break. We'll do, you know, when I do all my stuff. But before we do that, um, and this was very last minute, I just threw it in the Facebook group, but I wanted to squeeze it in here real quick because it's my last opportunity to do so. I asked the question. What do you want to see from the Packers game tomorrow, i.e. today? Again, get in the Facebook group. So there's so many things. I wish there weren't so many things. And I'm sorry that there's a lot of things. And I keep throwing things. And I go join this, go sign up. I'm sorry. But it just, I wish there was a central place we could do all this stuff. There just isn't. I didn't create 17 different social media channels, all right? If you want to get involved in questions and polls and all those things, that's generally going to be the Facebook group. Anyways, Zachary says, Jordan Love for 90% of the game. I'm 100% on board with that. Maybe I shouldn't be. The Packers seem to be a little bit more worried and anxious. I just, first of all, he needs it. So it's not just a matter of I'm I'm just a fan and I want to watch him and I want to be able to cheer and I want to see good stuff, even though there's probably going to be bad stuff. But I just want to, I just want to see Jordan Love and cheer. And I'd like to be able to see him under optimal conditions, meaning when he goes out there at first against the starting defense and gets annihilated and looks terrible, we get to watch him a little bit later when the lesser talent comes out against our lesser talent and is a little bit more balanced out. So he has a run game and he has a little bit of blocking and he has some receivers that can get open. But again, he just he just needs the time. He has not had hardly any time. And I, I agree. I think if you could give him almost the whole game, you think you should. I, I know Matt LaFleur had mentioned something to the effect of he may get three quarters and Bankert gets a quarter. That's what we should be shooting for. If there's obviously any flare-up with injuries or whatever, fine. Um, I hope that's not the case. I hope that they're not too ticky-tack where, you know, he gets hit or he gets sacked and they pull him. I mean, that push it. Again, we're kind of we're kind of doomed if Rodgers gets hurt anyways. It's not like if Rodgers gets hurt with Jordan Love, we're still a Super Bowl caliber team, but with Bankert, we're, we're doomed. We might have a better shot with Love, but I mean, come on. Push it a little bit. So I, I agree. I would like to see that. I know everybody's fanboying real hard on Bankert and thinks he's so great and all that stuff, and that's fine. That's cool. But Kurt Bankert is our QB3. He, he, he doesn't really serve a massive purpose other than he's kind of fun to watch in the preseason against third-string defenses, and it's kind of fun. He's not the guy that might be taking over for Aaron Rodgers. He's not the guy that's going to be either the face of our doom and despair or the the third quarterback in a lineage of elite quarterbacks. Bankert isn't that guy. Jordan Love is that guy. And we got to figure out where exactly he falls. Could be somewhere in the middle, but still. 
He's the guy we need to see. He's the guy we need to evaluate. He's the guy that needs to learn and grow, especially while he can. Because if, if, again, if Rodgers isn't around, he's not, you know, next year he's doing this on his own. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to watch and learn from. And when he does something, go to the sideline and have Rodgers come over and be like, so this is why you sucked on that play. Nico comes in with the classic. Uh, He says, just no injuries. It'd be nice to see some young talent, but I understand vanilla offense and defense won't show much, so no injuries. Again, I always ask this question. That's always the response, and that's always the best response. So I'm, I'm, I'm never going to uh, criticize that response because it is the most important. It, it is by far the most important thing. It really is. It's more important than seeing Jordan. I know I said push it a little bit because you need to, but especially for starters and guys that we're going to depend on for this season, it's it's absolutely the most important thing. And then Zachary says, can I change mine to this? No, no, stop it. <laughs> I need other responses, you bunch of jerks. Uh, Nico does go on to say as far as, you know, kind of reverting back to Zach Barnes and why he says this instead of that. Um, I don't know why I said your last name. That's kind of weird. But anyways, um, I would love to see Love look good. But also if he looks bad, I don't really care. I remember Rogers first year in preseason. He looked like garbage and it turned out okay, which is true. Um, But it's, you know, again, it's the two biggest reasons I want Jordan Love to play are number one, I just want to cheer for him. And number two, he needs the the reps. It's not really so that I can determine whether or not, you know, from my throne, whether or not he is the greatest or if he's going to be terrible. I don't know. We'll see when the time comes how that's going. But he does need the time. And he just hasn't had it. Cody says perfection from the imperfect. Uh, imperfect. That's, um, I think that's reasonable, right? Dalton says same thing as last week. Special teams improvement. Love, Dylan, J.K. Scott. Next question is the over or under of another Hill touchdown. So let's go back to the first thing. Special teams improvement. That is becoming one of the most important things. And again, the the interesting thing about special teams is even if we pull all our starters, that's still our starting special teams unit. So we have to get better there. These guys who are taking punt and kick returns, that's probably going to be our punt and kick returners. These guys who are making mistakes going on punt coverage, those are probably, I mean, not all of them. Some of these guys are going to get cut because they're making mistakes. Like, you know, Duffman apparently had a terrible play, and maybe he doesn't make the team as a result. I mean, he'll be practice squad, but still, you, you get what I'm saying. And again, and, and largely because we've seen it be so poor. I think if we've had a, a, a good or even competent special teams unit, um, for the last several years, and we saw a couple mistakes, it'd be like, yeah, these guys are just, we're just trying these guys out, it'll be fine. The fact that it's been so bad and and it's been a weakness in the preseason just makes every Packer fan fairly assess this as a really negative thing. And again, I don't know how you resolve the conflict of we really need to take this seriously and no way in the world am I taking away time or talent from offense and defense for special teams, other than lip service, where we say it's really important, but we just, you know, we don't really put a lot into it. I don't know what you do. Um, he adds in love. We already talked about love. Dylan, 100%. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm leaning more toward health with him, but give him give him a little bit, because I think week one we saw Dylan, but that was such a catastrophic game, especially, again, offensive line, all that was terrible, so nobody was getting any yards, so Dylan had nowhere to go. Week two, when we had some some lanes... Man, was it fun! Just I just I just want to see it, and and it's not the right thing, right? If I was the head coach, maybe I wouldn't even put him out there. But as a fan who has nothing on the line, who has no actual say in this, would I? Do I want to watch him? Yes, but I'm just being impatient. I I should be able to wait till week one. I just don't want to. 
And then J.K. Scott, again, I think he gets a little bit too much hate. However, it is true that he does need to be more consistent. His his good punts are very, very good. He does things that other punters just can't do. He's got an unbelievable leg, but there's just too many inconsistent punts. If it was like really, really good most of the time, and then there are a couple just average punts, that's fine. It's the fact that it's not so much the average punts, it's the what the heck was that punts. And again, there isn't a punter in the NFL that doesn't have bad punts. The standard isn't perfection, but we do need to see more consistency. And to be honest, just some more really good punts. I mean, he should be at a higher average of, dude, that was, he just blasted that ball. Like that thing popped midair. It was under so much stress, first by the initial kick and then just the altitude, you know, it just exploded. I think that's fair. As far as over or under for another Hill touchdown, I'm going to say over just because of how much they're feeding the guy. I mean, again, Dylan, I don't think is going to get a ton of work. Maybe they really, if if they fully established Hill is going to be our guy, which I don't, I mean, they're probably 90% there. But I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to rotate those three guys. And I think Hill is going to get a real heavy load. So I don't know, maybe I'll say, maybe I, maybe I won't go with that. Because you, you got to score first of all. I think in general preseason would be, like imagine if it was fantasy football in the preseason. Do you know how many guys get rotated out? Like in a normal game, you've got like three main wide receivers that might score a touchdown. But you have to assume how many passing touchdowns are there going to be. And then what are the odds when you account for the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends that that guy's going to get a touchdown. But now we're talking about all the wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. If I had to pick a guy to get a touchdown, Kylan isn't the worst guy to pick. If I if it was, you know, over or under 50% of him getting one, probably a little under. Uh, Robert says, Christian Yelich in the owner's box, becoming a minority owner to fulfill the trifecta. Whatever you got to do, man. Charlie says he wants to see football, even ugly preseason football, and no injuries. That's kind of where I'm at. I mean, look, the, the coaches and everything have to do evaluation. I'm kind of... Uh, I kind of feel like most of this team is filled out. It's just a matter of which guys are going to be sitting on the bench most of the game, which guys are going to be on the practice squad, and which guys are just going to get cut. And um, the guys that we're making decisions on, to be completely honest, I don't think are going to have hardly any impact on our football team at all, with the exception maybe of who's starting at guard. But even that, if they don't get it quite right, they'll figure it out eventually. So, yeah, I just want to see football. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm ready to go. Finally, Goose says he wants to see Love playing at a top twenty quarterback level. Let's 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 uh, answer that question. Flemum interpif. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Grow up. What I'm trying to say here is let's see what a top twenty quarterback looks like. Who is in that range? So twentieth was Jared Goff. Um, you got Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, Philip Rivers. I'll tell you what, if he's not in that range, that kind of sucks. So this is just based on last year. So there's a little bit of fluctuation and debate or whatever. But top five guys, Rodgers, Brady, Watson, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Um, you're talking top 10. You're looking at Wilson, Tannehill, Carr, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. 20 range, Burrow, Goff, Fitzpatrick. Then you get down into the 30 range. You got Bridgewater, Foles, Minshew, Garoppolo. Um, and then at the bottom, Allen, Darnold, Haskins, etc. So, um, yeah, I hope so. And, and as far as grades, if this thing would work, the guys that are in the top 20, we're looking at, yeah, I mean, it's 70s, low 70s, which is exactly what he was in these past preseason games. So 
if he maintains that low 70-ish range, he's top 20. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm fine with it for now. I, I sure hope he does better than top 20 if he ends up taking over. He goes on to say offensive line with good pass protection and run blocking. They So, again, week one, not so much. Week two, especially after we shuffled some things up, much better performance. So, yeah, this is kind of the tiebreaker. If they can kind of keep this thing humming, I thought they did a great job last week. Uh, he says D-line and DBs hanging with the Bills, and I want to see the inside linebackers uh, show me they are competent and not a total liability. Um, D-line and DBs hanging with the Bills is going to be tough. It is going to be important, though. The problem, the biggest problem with this defense and trying to assess it is, first of all, we don't have all of our premium players. And those are, I mean, if, you, if you're going to have success up front, you got to have your successful guys up front. And And with the starters off the field we don't have like backups that are dominant we don't even have backups that are that are real good that's how big of a gap that there is so when you remove um Jair and Kevin King and Stokes plays like five seconds and they pull him I mean it's it's we're getting into big drop-off territory I don't even know if Stokes would be that great but I'm just saying they pulled everybody and then when you remove Kiki and Kenny Clark from the defensive line, it's like, you know, you got Heflin and TJ Slayton, and you're not going to get a lot of pressure. You know, we're basically keeping our 320-pound guys out there. And then off the edge, you remove Rashawn and Preston and Zedarius. And I know injury is part of this, but they wouldn't be playing anyways. It's just, it's a massive drop-off. And we don't have any pass rushers after that. So I don't really expect it, but it is annoying because it's like, I wonder if our defense can hang with them. Well, they can't. <laughs> they're on the sideline and then people get all mad like all oh, same old Packers defense like well but that's not our defense if that, I mean that's that would be like trying to assess how good our offense is going to be with Aaron Rodgers sitting on the sideline and Kurt Benkert throwing to Reggie Begleton oh, so much for this number one offense like what what do you what what is it you're talking about because I don't know what you're talking about and then inside linebackers, kind of similar to the offensive line. Week one, I thought they looked great. Week two, the linebackers kind of went back to liability territory. Um, Oren Burks in particular was, you know, went from being one of the best players on the team to one of the worst players on the team. I think he needs to play well in this game, and I hope they blitz him a lot because it seemed to be an area where he was being successful. Um, it was fun to watch, though. Again, I keep saying the same thing, and I don't know how to properly um, enunciate what I'm thinking, but just seeing the linebackers be so aggressive – and um, just attacking as opposed to being more passive and being successful in doing so. You know, having sort of a destiny. I just felt like under Petten, it was just the goal always seemed to be just kind of create a mess. You know, get the defensive lineman in there to just kind of push stuff around and then the linebackers kind of come and you just try to create like a pile and then hope that the running back doesn't squeak through that pile. And if he does, try to wrap your arm around him and bring him down. This feels more like we're dictating to the offense. Again, our defensive line seems to be like evenly spaced out, and then we have our linebackers shooting through these gaps. The defensive line, if they're doing their job and they're holding their their blockers, and then the defensive uh, the linebackers shoot through the gaps, they're challenging the running backs and they're bringing them down. It just looks competent, and I haven't feel like I haven't seen that in a very very long time. But uh, anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here? First and foremost, the moment you've all been waiting for, the official giveaway. For the signed Zadarius Smith jersey is Mr. Pedro Magales, also known on Instagram as Puzzler38. So Pedro, hit me up on Instagram, man. Send me a message. Let me know that you heard this. 
Um, if you know Pedro and you want to be cool, you could message him. If you're holding out hope that he doesn't respond so that you can get the Zedarius jersey, then just uh, let it pass you by. That's entirely up to you. Pedro, hit me up, my man. Once again, we're going to be doing uh, giveaways every single week for the next four weeks at least. And the more people that sign up, the more likely they are to continue this because they have a vested interest in more people signing up and buying their stuff. Um, So far, it's been great. A lot of people have been signing up. They seem happy. Uh, We got some great giveaways coming up. A signed Deguara jersey, a signed, what do we got, Bakhtiari jersey, a... um, there's always one that I forget. There's the Jordy Trophy, so a Lombardi Trophy signed by Jordy Nelson. And what is the other one? Oh, Devontae Adams. There you go. Signed Devontae Adams jersey. And all these are um, authentic. I believe they come with the Certificate of Authenticity. And um, again, we're giving these away over the next four weeks. So uh, make sure that you sign up at Pristine Auction, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, PristineAuction.com. Use promo code Packernet. When you sign up using promo code Packernet, by the way, Pedro, uh, when you hit me up, Make sure you show, send me a picture of your registration that you're all signed up. And if you haven't yet, just go ahead and do it and pretend that you did it a long time ago. But that's going to be a requirement for all these. And it's not going to take very long. It's not a big deal. It doesn't cost you anything. They're actually going to give you $10 as a credit on your account so you can start bidding on some of their stuff. But um, pay attention to the podcast. We'll let you know what's up for auction next time and what you have to do to get involved. If you'd like to support this podcast directly, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support me for as little as $1 per month. Thank you very much to Mr. David Hawthorne for jumping in on Patreons. Might have thanked you yesterday, but you're getting another one. I don't remember. Uh, We are 45 patrons away from me buying a Packers ticket. If at the conclusion of the Packers and Saints football game, when that's done, I'm going to check Patreon. If there are 300 or more patrons, I am buying one of you a Green Bay Packers ticket. If not, then I just won't. The ideal situation for me would be 299 so we'll see who uh, who comes out ahead on that one. That's a lie. I would rather it be 350 but whatever. And then also uh, Palmer Home for Children, if you'd like to support that, please head over there. You can find a link to that at uh, my Twitter at the very top, pinned at the top, also pinned at the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group thing. Staying stagnant at $2,003, which is uh, still a lot more than I ever expected getting donated, and thank you to everyone that did that. Uh, Whether or not I get to go hang out with Malcolm Reed and and cook with him and have a good old time or not, um, my grandma's calling me. Uh, Either way, thank you very much for jumping in. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break. We'll come right back and talk about some more stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Welcome back. Glad to have you. I want to start ripping through some of these questions. First of all, Anthony wants more puppy pics. Um, I'll, I'll work on that. 
Got a question from Zach, um, or comment, I suppose. He says, one thing I like about Goot is that he's good at admitting he was wrong on draft picks. He sees guys aren't working and lets them go to get new guys in. It seems like Ted Thompson held on to guys too long. And I think I talked, when he asked this, I was like, I already talked about this. He doesn't listen to the podcast or what? But that was on the live stream. I talked a little bit about it. And maybe it was Zach that talked to me about it on there. I don't know. Um, But I do think that there's some general correlation there. I don't want to speak too definitively because it's one of those things you want to get some data on it before you talk about it because sometimes you go look it up and it's like, eh, it's not really true. But it does feel that way. And I don't think it's just Gutekunst. It's just sort of a general philosophy shift. Um, it is sort of a, a give and take. You know, we, we had um, one of the players recently talk about how he knew that this was a great place to go for undrafted free agents because they really give guys a, a, a chance. And that comes from a culture of really committing to the guys that they have. We brought you in, we're going to commit to you. The opposite side of that is you're either the guy or you're not. And if you're not the guy, you're out of here. And so I do think I, I understand the benefit of committing to people and, and having people want to come here that are undrafted free agents and want this to be their priority place because we're going to commit to them. Um, but I also like, as you pointed out, there does seem to be a little bit more of a culture of it's just not working out. I think Kamal Martin is a decent example of that. I know he's been here. Um, he was here a full year or whatever, but I don't remember a guy, especially a guy that was a starter and seemed to have some promise, um, that quickly just getting turned around. The only guy I remember very quickly getting let go, again, was um, was it Vince Beagle, I think. And that he was never given an opportunity. I mean, he he was drafted, and they immediately were just like, this guy just ain't it. It ain't going to work. But Kamal, you can just see. I mean, it's one of those things where you feel like, just give it a shot, man. I feel like you can put him something. They're like, no, he's not it. We're done. We're moving on. But the other thing that I like even more so than that, uh, than, than Gutekunst so much, is um, is Matt LaFleur and, and the coaching staff being more willing to just put the guys out there that are doing a good job. And that drove me absolutely insane with Dom Capers and Mike McCarthy. Um, Reference it a few times, but just situations where, for example, you had Ra- Rondell and, uh, Rondell and Rallins, uh, Randall and Rollins. That just broke my brain. Um, the guys were not good. They were never really, I mean, Rollins was good, I think, his rookie year. He played a small amount of the snaps, and he actually performed quite well, and I was excited about him for a while, but it was just a brief thing, and it was a fluky thing, and he never really recovered. Um, but those guys were just bad, right? They just couldn't do their job, and yet we'd have undrafted free agents and whatnot that would come in and for a play, and they would just make a splash play, right? They would break something up in the end zone, something you'd never see Demarius Randall do, hardly ever, and um, they'd pull him the next play, and they put Randall back in. It's like, wh- why? I don't understand. They were they were so committed to, you know, th- this is the guy or this is the I, whatever. It just there does seem to be more of a fluid nature of let's just find the right guys. And the other thing that we've seen, and I know Ted did this a little bit, but sort of the frantic nature of bringing people in. Uh, and I, I kind of talked about it from a statistical standpoint, you know, where if you find a diamond in the rough once every 50 times, it would behoove you to try to get 50 guys through as quickly as possible. Now, you ever watch that gold mining show? It's just about volume. There, there's only so much gold, and the faster we can throw soil through this thing, and the more soil we can do per hour, the more gold we get. It's just mathematical. Obviously, the better the gold, whatever. You find land with no gold, it doesn't matter how much you put through, and if there's a ton, then there's a ton. 
But there does just seem to be a constant, you know, we brought in these guys, we let these guys go, we brought in these guys, we let these guys, and it's just, it's never ending. We're constantly cutting and bringing in and cutting and bringing in and cutting and bringing in. And it seems silly. And it's always, every time they do it, it's like, this is so dumb. But we found some quality players that way, some genuinely quality players. And every single one of them at one point or another on this podcast, there's audio of me going, "Mm, stupid, I don't care. Right? (laughs) Every time. And most of the time that is the case. But every once in a while, you get uh, Alan Lazard, who was just some random signing in 2018, right? Signed him off the Jaguars practice squad. Why? Because he's just bringing guys that you bring them in, you try them out, and you let this guy go. How's You know, you got a pile of guys that you've been working with and working with, and you realize this guy's not going to cut it. So it's like, all right, who's next on our list to try out? We're going to cut that guy, we bring this guy in. So again, Maybe once every 50 times you get an Alan Lazard in and they're working him out and they're working with him and they're training with him and they're like, dude, this guy's, uh, this guy's kind of working out, man. It's, it's, it's kind of working. He's doing stuff and it, it works for our system and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do like that, that they're not overly committed to anybody. They're, they're much more open-minded to the prospect of maybe somebody out there is better. Maybe somebody on the bench is better than the guy that's on the field. Maybe somebody that's an undrafted free agent is better than somebody we drafted. I mean, just look at the guard battle. You've got guys like Lucas Patrick who've been around for a long time. You got guys like Runyon who are new but were starters last year. You got guys like, you know, Cole Van Lannan or Braden or Royce Newman or any of these guys. They're they're all from different places and different this, that, or the other, but it's just a matter of, hey, if you can do it, you can do it. And Royce proved on that one preseason game that I mean, again, he was third string. He had one preseason game, they gave him starter reps. He kept playing well. They're like, all right, you're the guy until you lose it, basically. And that's just where we're at right now. He may lose it, but that's the, that's the situation. And again, I love that. And I would say that that's what everybody does, but we know it's not because that's what our previous regime was very hesitant to do. Anyways, next question, comment, observation is from Goose. He says, we in no way can afford to keep everyone. With Alexander, Adams, MVS, Tunyon, and others going to be in need of new contracts and the state of Rodgers and the Smiths contracts, something will have to give... What will our roster look like next year? I'm going to totally enjoy the ride this year. And to be honest, I'm excited to see the changes this team goes through in the next couple of years. I feel like the end and beginning of an era. I, I almost don't want to touch this because it's so overwhelming to get, even get into, but there's so many variables. There's so many, a crazy amount of variables. First of all, of the first guys that you listed, how many stay, how many go? How many get contracts this year? How many get contracts next year? And that does matter because it has to do with the, the cost next year which has to do with how much money we have next year in order to pay guys next year um, or, or beyond. There's also the giant elephant in the room of Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he stays or if he goes. I've been talking about how I want him to stay. The problem with that is if he stays, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of guys have to go um, or take massive pay cuts. But even then, I mean, you know, when you have Kenny Clark's contract, you have... David Bakhtiari's contract, who are already locked in, you know they're going to sign Devontae. You got Jair Alexander, who they have to pay. I mean, he stays before um, before Devontae does. We just paid Aaron Jones, right? Which, again, was, was a surprising signing, but that's already been committed to. Um, so there's, there's not that much wiggle room if Aaron Rodgers stays. So you look at guys like Zedarius, you look at guys like Preston, and you're pretty much saying they have to go. Billy Turner, he's probably got to go. Um, Adrian Amos kind of has to go. 
I haven't done the math, and I and, I, and again, I don't really want to do the math because there's just too many variables. We'll have to see how it goes, um, and we'll see who ends up. I have a feeling there's going to be some contracts or a contract. I, I have a sneaking suspicion Devontae ends up getting one very soon. Remember, they like to get those big contracts signed prior to week one. They try to get that big deal done. Um, so we'll see if they end up pulling the trigger on that or not. But um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to shake some things up. I mean, the, the biggest thing is going to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, kind of the state of the, the salary cap and the state of which other guys stay or go, it just completely pales in comparison to the reality of that era is done. And even if we can keep everybody else, which I think we probably can if Aaron Rodgers goes, we can find a way. We won't, but we could. It's still, we might still be in massive trouble. And even if we have to get rid of a bunch of guys, if Jordan Love is good, then I don't care <laughs> because we are in a great position. So the point is, the, the, the biggest point here is all this other stuff is mostly noise. Even the, the, the guys were like, well, what about Zadarius? He might be gone. If he's not gone now, he's got a couple of years, like two years, right? Maybe. So, I mean, I know that's, that's not nothing, but I mean, over the next 10 years, Jordan Love is the biggest question. Or Aaron Rodgers, if we find a way to keep him sticking around. But, but I feel like we've committed the salary cap to him moving on. I mean, we, we've, we've basically made that decision. And I don't know that there's any way to turn back on that. But the quarterback is the biggest, the biggest question mark. And um, I just think it's too early to be even talking about it, to be honest. I just uh, I want to focus on the season, and um, as it starts to wind down, we can start to look at that. But um, it's just let's, let's let's get through this this game in week one and see how it goes from there. Cody says, "What kind of an impact will the emphasis on inside linebacker play from Barry uh, have on the defense with the players we have have noticed some through the preseason, but have not seen the true defense yet?" Thanks. So there's, there's a lot of things, kind of similar to the last question, there's a lot of variables that make it impossible for me to answer. Um, there's also a probably a good schematic answer that I just don't have the intelligence to give you. Um, so the only answer that I have, well, th- th- there's one obvious point that you kind of already made, and then there's a uh, even more obvious and almost insulting point that I can make. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting, but it's just the best way that I can answer it. And that is just what is painfully obvious for all of us. If it leads to our linebackers being better against the run, our run defense will improve. If it means our linebackers are going to be blitzing more and they're doing it successfully, it means our pass rush will improve. If they're able to cover better, it means our coverage will improve. I know that's kind of not what you're asking, but that's really the only way I can answer it. I mean, how is the emphasis on inside linebacker help? Well, if it helps, it's going to help in the way in which that they're helping us. (laughs) I don't know how else to answer that. But I do think, um, and again, it really just comes down to competence. Um, I don't think they need to play a massive role. They just need to have a role, which sounds silly. But again, I don't know that our linebackers last year had a very good role. It seemed like they stood in the middle and either got picked on by tight ends or stood in the middle of the field and waited for running backs to come through. And then they, you know, got blocked out of the way or made some tackle eight yard down the field or whatever. If they have a legitimate role, remember all the other stuff is primarily being done by everybody else. Their ability to pass rush is largely going to depend on what a what a good job our edge our defensive front does, our edge rushers and our defensive line, defensive tackles, whatever. And with Kenny being there and Kiki being there and Zadarius being there and Rashawn being there, that's going to help their ability to do that. As far as run defense, again, take what we saw in week one, which looked really, really good, but then add in guys along the defensive line that are doing a better job because 
for a lot of teams, and I'm not going to pretend I know that this is how Barry operates entirely, but you kind of start up front. And if those guys do their job, the linebackers kind of come and play a cleanup. I know that's largely, you know, your your weak side linebacker or whatever. But if the defensive line is not doing their job, the linebackers kind of can't do their job. If the defensive front is doing their job very, very, very well, you don't even need super great linebackers. I mean, speed is going to help if we're trying to get to the outside and beat linebacker or beat running backs to the outside and whatever. But aside from that, it's it's really just here's a hole. He's going to try to run through it. You meet him in the hole and you bring him down. But it takes good execution up front. And then coverage, I, you know, pass rush helps with coverage, but also having really good safeties and really good corners and really good scheme and all that, that's going to help as well. I don't know that we're going to have a massive improvement with our coverage ability because very few linebackers can do it, and we have not really invested in guys that are just dominant cover guys. I know everybody's telling you that um, Campbell is this great cover guy. Maybe he will be, but he never has been in the past. Um, Burks, we've been hearing about his coverage ability since forever. He's never been able to do it. Chris Barnes, everybody's super hyped about him. I don't know that he's ever really been able to do it, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Again, week one really, really excited me about the potential of this. And like you said, we haven't seen our true defense yet. I think that's going to be the key. What are they going to look like when they have a bunch of other guys supporting cast Defensive tackles, you know, Kenny, Kiki, Zadarius, Rashawn, also the corners and the safeties in place that are really, really good at their job and and make it easy on the linebackers to do their job. What is it going to look like? I'm excited to find out. Thomas says, with all the speed we have in the secondary, do you think there will be higher emphasis on outside blitzes or safety blitzes this season? Based on what we did in week one last year with success, I thought we would have, um, for example, the Jair safety versus Washington. Oh, we would have, I see. I tend to think so. I, I um, One of the things that I thought was funny that I was, when I was talking to Matt yesterday, um, Todd from uh, Game On Wisconsin was also there. He was, he was the guest, but he was, uh, the three of us were just talking. And he mentioned how he um, was talking to Joe Thomas. Apparently he had sold him some land and they kind of exchanged numbers and they've been talking kind of back and forth. Pretty cool story. But anyways, one of the things that um, apparently Joe Thomas started texting him about the Packers, like what's going on with this, 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 this. And um, the comment had come up that we're not really blitzing very much. And um, Joe Thomas's response, which is, I think, what a lot of us were thinking last year, and I had even mentioned it a couple times, was that that's criminal considering the talent at DB. I know that's not exactly your question, but I'm getting there. When you have an extremely talented secondary, I don't think you need to play scared. And I feel like Petten played scared a lot, which again is weird because that was never his tendency at all his other places. He was a very aggressive defensive coordinator. I feel like here he was very scared. And and you play to your personnel, but I don't think our personnel was so bad that you needed to play scared with our safety talent and our cornerback talent. Granted, not necessarily King, but aside from that, it was very talented. You feel like you would have the ability to say, you guys need to hold your own. We're going to go hunt. But he didn't seem to want to do that, and, and I do think you get a different defensive coordinator. And, and again, you're you're gonna have you're gonna get beat once in a while. You're gonna bring some extra guys. They don't get home. Your corners are on an island, and there's gonna be that one guy that breaks free, and you're in trouble. It's gonna happen. But I do think you're generally gonna find more aggressiveness, and that's going to not just be we're gonna bring all the guys up front, but we're gonna have linebackers blitzing a lot. And yeah, we're gonna have corners coming off the edge. And I, as far as are they gonna do it more? I think so, because that was another thing that surprised me. And even Darnell Savage. You can bring Darnell Savage up basically in the box, near the box, or pretty much up to the slot and blitz him. And, and the guy's got, what, 4-2-9 speed or something? 4-3-6. I knew it wasn't in the 4-2s, but I'm exaggerating, but stupid. 
stupid fast. I think he's the fastest guy on, on the team. His ability to cover ground, and the thing is, you could, you, you, you could say, well, if you drift him up in the slot, they're going to know he's blitzing. Do you know how quickly he can drop? And, I, and this is what I've been saying about him after we drafted him. If you put him kind of as a, a box safety, he can cover the slot, he can blitz, and he can drop, and he can do all that in a flash. But again, it's not just him. Stokes, stupid fast. Oh, geez, I, I completely like He's 4-2-5. Why did I not think he was 4-2-5? I've never really appreciated how fast. Is that even right? I didn't realize. <laughs> Something in my brain wasn't working quite right. 4-2-5. I don't, I don't think that would... Hold on. Combine 4-2-5 or like pro day? Yeah, 4-3-8 and... F- oh, no, that's, that's Tyson Campbell. Jeez. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't. I, it didn't register because, like four four is generally pretty quick, right? So if you're if you're so previously, like four four two was like our fast guys, like Jeff Janis, you know, Trevor Davis, four four flat type guys, and and those were their speedsters. But yeah, I mean that's, dude. So Jair, we drafted four three eight. Savage is in that range, four threes. And Stokes is four twos. Four fours are fast, dude. Like four fours are fast. And we've got two four threes and a four two five. Man. I just I mean I, I know everybody's fast. I guess I just severely underestimated how fast they were. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I think it would be absurd to not utilize that. Like, for example, Kevin King is four four three. He is really tall and really fast. He is. 4-4-3 is fast. Jeez. 4-2-5. I don't know. I, I must have known it for like a second. I told you, I just memory, I just brain dump stuff. And then it just, it's in my head that I know he's fast. Yeah, he's fast. He's fast. He's one of the faster guys on the team. No, not one of. It's not even close. Hey, <laughs> I just want to see it. I just want to see it one time. I just want to see Stokes come flying off the edge. 4-2-5, my goodness. Anyways, I'm going to do one more and then I'm going to get out of here. Um, don't, didn't write down who uh, asked the question, but based on the potential of the tight end group and the emphasis on third year in the offensive scheme, does Rodgers have a better season than last year with all these weapons? Um, I don't know, but I would be willing to make a bet that he does not have a better year. It's not impossible, but it's very close to impossible. The, the only way I can think to describe this is, let's say you're, uh, you're playing darts, and let's say Aaron Rodgers is typically the kind of guy, let's say you're, you're I know you're shooting for the, the triple 20s, but let's just say we're trying to hit bullseyes. Aaron Rodgers typically is the kind of guy that's going to hit, um, let's say, one in the red, which is the, the bullseye bullseye, one in the green, and then one is just a miss, right? It's, he's good, but there's some whatever. So it's, let's say, 120. This past year, it was two right in the red and one in the green. And what you're saying is, hey... We got some slightly better darts, you know, whatever. They're weighted better. We got a wrist brace. There's, there's a couple things here. Do you think he can be perfect? Like three smack dab right in the red. I mean, it's not impossible. Bowling might have been a better analogy because this is kind of... Let's say you typically bowl a 190. Rogers last year bowled like a 260, and you're asking, can he get over a 260? Eh, maybe. But he was very close to perfect last year. He's, it's better than just about anybody has done. Obviously, we're not talking professional bowlers. Let's just talk about a, fam- a regular dude in a family. He's like one of the best in your entire family. He typically bowls close to around 100 or 200. He got 260, and then he goes out and gets like a new ball, and it's like, I wonder if he can get 300. 
I would say it's more likely he goes closer to the 200 range, like 210, 220, than does better than 260. But maybe, maybe he gets that 300. I just, I'm not going to put any more pressure on him being better. If he's even close to replicating what he did last year, that's, I'm more than happy with that. But anyways, I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one and goodbye.